You're listening to Historically Speaking from Kappa Kappa Gamma with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. I'm Kylie Smith, the Archivist and Museum Director, and today I have with me former fraternity president and former fraternity historian Kay Smith Larson. Thank you for joining us as we chat about Mother's Day and the Kappa Connection. Hi, Kylie. Hi, Kay. I just loved what you and Denise shared about Kappa's own Julia Ward Howe and her connection to Mother's Day. But before we get to Julia, I wanted to start by highlighting some things we found in the key recently. In preparation for this, we did a search of the magazine and found lots of references to college or university-sponsored Mother's Weekends, chapters who held teas, and even mentions the dorm or chapter house directors. Yeah, and those were often called house directors or house mothers, and some still call them that today. So there are lots of references to mothers in the magazine. Some of my favorite items in the archives are blue and blue vases with irises that are hand-painted on them. The Indianapolis Alumni Association sold these collectible Weller pottery pieces for a fundraiser, and a 1929 ad in the magazine suggests that they would be a great gift for Mother's Day. And we have a few of those pieces on display at fraternity headquarters. Lots of chapters in the past, and still some today, have what they call mother's clubs as a way to help raise additional funds for the chapters and help with various projects, especially if the chapter has a house or meeting facility. Many of these were especially active in the absence of large and active advisory and house boards. And I also loved a note in the key from 1942 that suggests all chapters and associations send Mother's Day greetings to Mary Louise Bennett Boyd, who in 1942 was the last living founder and she was described as the mother of us all. Neither Lou Boyd or her sister-in-law, Jenny Boyd, both campus founders, had children of their own but both commented that they felt as though all Kappas after them were like wonderful daughters. So I love that there was an effort to send special greetings in honor of Mother's Day. I do too. So let's talk about my favorite connection between Kappa and Mother's Day. I'll start with this statement. Mrs. Julia Ward Howe has conferred upon us the high honor of becoming a member of our chapter That's what the members of Phi Chapter at Boston University wrote in December 1884 in a letter to our magazine then called The Golden Key, describing how one of the most famous women in America joined Kappa Kappa Gamma. There is no question that the young women of Phi Chapter knew who they were inviting into their midst. Honorary membership was offered by 10 chapters to 28 women from 1874 to 1884. The category was reserved for ladies who have made progress worthy of note in some department of science, literature, or art. The fraternity was young, and in the absence of older and wiser alumni, offering key honorary memberships helped to fill that gap. 
Some have asked about the ceremony of initiation for these honorary members, and that really depended upon the situation. In the case of Lucy Webb Hayes, she accepted the invitation to membership by letter sent from her husband's secretary when he was president. In other chapters, their honorary members may have spent more time with the local chapter, and so their membership may have been affirmed with a ceremony. Well, as you know well, we didn't actually have a ceremony of initiation until the ceremonies from Delta Chapter, Indiana, and Pi Chapter, Berkeley, were added after the late 1870s. And it wasn't until the 1890s that the ritual was reviewed and codified and began to look like what we recognize today. Prior to that, most chapters had new members read the constitution, raise their hand and simply agree to adhere. Because Julia Ward Howe was known to visit with the women from Phi chapter from time to time, our best guess, guess is that she actually accepted her invitation to membership in person and participated in some of the ceremony the women at Boston may have performed with and for new members. What we don't know is whether or not she actually wore a Grecian robe and ribbons in her hair like some of the early 1880s photographs we have in the archives from Phi Chapter at Boston. But I like to think she did. Oh, I do too. Now that that's cleared up, let's talk a bit more about our fascinating sister, Julia Ward Howe. She traveled in social circles that included Ralph Waldo Emerson, Margaret Fuller, and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. In 1861, she wrote her most famous poem, Battle Hymn of the Republic, set to the already famous song, John Brown's Body. It was first published by The Atlantic for the sum of $4, and the Union Army quickly adopted it as its unofficial song, making her one of the most recognized women in America at the time. Julia devoted her life to writing and to the causes of her favorite movements. She was a staunch abolitionist, a supporter of women's voting rights, and an advocate for prison reform and international peace. You might be wondering what Julia Ward Howe has to do with Mother's Day. Though the holiday we recognize today in the United States is credited to Anna Jarvis and her mother Anna Reeves Jarvis, Julia Ward Howe had been urging for nearly 40 years a Mother's Day for Peace as a way for women to speak against war, the thing that killed so many husbands and sons. So it was essentially a protest. It was in 1870, the same year Kappa Kappa Gamma was founded, that she penned the Mother's Day Proclamation and initiated Mother's Peace Day, the forerunner of Mother's Day. In 1881, she was elected president of the Association for the Advancement of Women. In 1884, she accepted Phi Chapter's invitation to honorary membership. In 1890, she helped found the General Federation of Women's Clubs. And in 1908, she was the first woman to be elected to the American Academy of Arts and Letters. Biographers have noted that Julia's writing and social activism were greatly shaped by her wealthy upbringing and her difficult married life. Her husband, Samuel Gridley Howe, valued the solitude of his studies and wanted Julia to be content with homemaking. However, she preferred writing and socializing. 
Julia struggled her entire life to balance a sense of what she called poetic indulgence and an abiding fear of frivolity. That she would have an appreciation for an organization of college women is a testament to the reputation of Kappa Kappa Gamma and the decidedly unfrivolous nature of our sisterhood. She really was incredible. And unlike many of the other honorary members who rarely participated in the activities of the fraternity, Julia visited with the women at Phi Chapter and even wrote a poem for the convention of 1890. The very first photographic illustration ever used in the key, included in the September 1890 issue, was Julia's portrait. Her earlier fame from penning the Battle Hymn of the Republic is oddly juxtaposed with her bold piece that proclaimed a Mother's Day for Peace. That proclamation calls for charity, mercy, and patience in response to the horrors of war. Let me share then with you the first few lines of her proclamation written in 1870. Arise then women of this day, arise all women who have hearts, whether our baptism be that of water or of tears. Say firmly, we will not have great questions decided by irrelevant agencies. Our husbands shall not come to us reeking with carnage for caresses and applause. Our sons shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity, mercy, and patience. We, women of one country, will be too tender of those of another country to allow our sons to be trained to injure theirs. Isn't that amazing? Wow. She leaves nothing to be misunderstood in her point. It's no surprise that after she died of pneumonia in 1910 at the age of 91, Julia was eulogized as the Queen of America and the dearest old lady in America before more than 4,000 mourners sang the Battle Hymn of the Republic at her memorial service, which was held in Boston Symphony Hall. I have to wonder if she wouldn't have wished instead to have something else sung at her memorial service since she was such an advocate for international peace. But who knows? It's absolutely fascinating to see how the idea of Mother's Day looked when our founders were coming of age and just getting started in the early days of Kappa Kappa Gamma. Indeed it is. And that brings us to today where Mother's Day looks even different still. So setting aside the historically exclusive association of Mother's Day with biology, gendered roles, and religion, today we honor all who have felt and bestowed the feelings of unconditional love, that common thread weaving through contemporary and traditional celebrations of motherhood. Happy Mother's Day, Kay. Happy Mother's Day, Kylie. And happy Mother's Day, Kappas. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Historically Speaking, brought to you by Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. Our headquarters is in Columbus, Ohio. Our house museum, the Stewart House, is in Monmouth, Illinois. You can find us online at kappa.org, or you can peruse our digital archives at kappa.historyit.com. Initial research was done by former fraternity president and former fraternity historian, Kay Smith Larson from Beta Pi Chapter at the University of Washington. And production is done by me, Kylie Tower-Smith from Omicron Deuteron Chapter at Simpson College 
and the Archivist and Museum Director for Kappa Kappa Gamma. Thank you.